What's up guys? Welcome to Fitter Food Radio. This is episode 137 and once again it's the dynamic duo. Matty Boy Whitmore and Keris Marsden. We say dynamic, it makes me want to dance. Dance? <laughs> Why not? Shuffle around. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you what, before we get into this episode, it's a very exciting time, isn't it? Because Yes, I know it's nearly Christmas, but something even more exciting than that is uh, it's almost time for our fitter 12 days of Christmas, which is what Christmas is all about, really. <laughs> yeah, it's not the present. You know, yeah, you know, Christmas Day, that's a Brucey bonus. <laughs> the fitter 12 days of Christmas is where it's at. Now, if you don't know what the fitter 12 days of Christmas is, it's something we... Gosh, I can't even remember the first time we did it. But we actually it, did it as a class. And that's then we right. Took it online. Yeah, we did it as a class when we used to run our Fitter London classes in Covent Garden. It was the last class before the Christmas break, and we decided to do the Fitter 12 Days of Christmas, just like the song. So on the first day of Christmas, example time, one minute of burpees. Yeah, on the second day of Christmas, it might be two sets of 10 push-ups and then you do your minute of burpees and so on until you get to 12 and then you do the full run through from 12 down to one and because it was like this big challenge and something a bit different everyone loved it we posted it on social media that we did it and everyone was like oh, i want to do it so the following year we were like well let's do it online and yeah the rest is history so to speak There's so many fun memories of standing outside in the freezing cold filming filming you. them all and what one year filming you and literally i couldn't feel my hands bless you you couldn't <laughs> i was like because it took about two hours and it was like minus three outside or something. Yeah. i was like well if you did a few of the videos yourself you'd, you'd warm up a little bit but i think keris was that cold she I was like i couldn't even feel my hands to do a press up like, I, I can't fake enthusiasm right now yeah eyebrows had icicles on them but yeah we've done it well actually tell a lie we we all we've done it pretty much every year since except one year we didn't i think we were really busy and i think we'd be like oh, i don't think anyone's that bothered about it and then we were almost in, you we got know, complaints, we? In, 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 like, hate mail. <laughs> yeah. How very dare you? Where's the fit of 12 <laughs> days of Christmas? Yeah. So we thought, well, we can't have that again. So it's almost that time again. The way it works is we start obviously 12 days out from Christmas and it will take you right up to Christmas Eve. And the whole idea of it is just a bit of fun for starters. It's a little bit of a challenge, but everyone can get involved. And it's just to give you a bit of inspo and just keep you moving and grooving when that uh, meat pie consumption goes up a little meat bit. Meat pie? You mean I'd, mince pie? Well, I wouldn't say that's a meat pie as well, <laughs> but you are right. I did mean mince pie. <laughs> Actually, on the subject of mince pies, so we also send anyone who takes part, you get a free recipe ebook. So if you join our email list or our Facebook group, we'll send you a copy. And we did the recipes this week, didn't we? And I came up with these mince pie power bars. Oh, my gosh. And they were so good. I had to quickly put them all Lord in a box have mercy. and send them to your mum. And you said to your mum, got up this morning at five o'clock. Straight <laughs> in there. Walked in the kitchen and got straight into Tiny. the mince pie power oh, bars. Oh, I was just looking at her with like my mouth open. Like, <laughs> thinking, you know, you've just stumbled down the hallway out of your... <laughs> You sleep and you're straight in that fridge. So 
they got the stamp of approval code. She should be proud. Got a lovely text message going. Oh, those men spyballs. And but my, does, does she is she powering through anything? That's the question. No, no, she's a not. Cold. She's got a cold. So. Unfortunately, yeah, she's got a cold. That's her, that's her excuse. <laughs> but yeah, guys, if you are looking to get involved this year, keep an eye out on Facebook, Instagram, on the email list. If you're on there, we'll send out everything you need to know to get involved. And yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's always a good bit of fun. It's always a great turnout. And it's always good to just see people getting involved that openly have said, like, oh, normally, you know, I wouldn't do this, but this kind of inspired me and I feel so much better for moving a bit more across the day. And Especially this time of year, because I think there's a lot of cabin fever because mm. you have to do a lot of, most people are doing like visiting families yeah. or going to watch a school play. So there's so a much lot darker like, now in the mornings dark, and yeah. evenings. So it's quite, you're quite sedentary a lot of the time. I know. Yeah. We've done like trips where we go and visit all family and we've set, got all we've done is sit on a sofa and drink tea and eat biscuits for about six hours oh, back to back. Brilliant. But you, yeah, you also forget just how nice it is to jump up and do a little bit of movement. And we've also added a step challenge and that should Which make is, It just energises you a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and it's, it's so ironic because you're sat there going, oh, God, I don't want to do anything. You but then you do it and you're like, oh, something. I feel so much better for it. I'm really pleased that I did. So, um, but also there's a stress buster because it's when you're kind of close with, as in, you're going to be in close confinement with some people that maybe you don't get on with. <laughs> so mm. I get on with everyone. Yeah, no. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we're fine to be fair, but I, I we're very easy going. No, but as in we, and we're very Except, close to our family, but lots know, of people have very, when my clients, so, me so, certain things irritate me. Like when someone puts their mug of tea on the table, right next to a coaster. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, like right now, that oh, was right. a subtle hint. Oops. See what I did there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty laid back. But what I was about to say was that when my clients tell me their schedules for Christmas, some people have like huge amounts going on in terms of it's family, yeah. then it's a Christmas party, then it's a school fair, then it's this, then it's that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how you do it. Ours isn't that busy, to be fair. Well, we're, we're, we're quite lucky. Small family, well, yeah, we? well, I have a very small family. You know, I mean, my mum's only three foot. <laughs> <laughs> That was a dad joke, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a proper dad joke. Oh, no. I must be getting old. <laughs> Coming up with dad jokes. I'm not even a dad. <laughs> so there it is. Fear 12 days of Christmas. Um, get involved in any which way that you can. But Keris, Keris is somewhat of a, a kind of acid reflux, gastroenteritis slash... <laughs> Thanks. Digestion... Have I just made gastroenteritis up? Gastritis. Gastritis. That's what I meant. Expert, you're going to say. Expert, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say victim. <laughs> yeah, no, expert. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for uh, putting me on the right path there. All right. <laughs> yeah, we thought we would revisit gut health today. Just gastroenteritis because... what Hamish had, wasn't it? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. You haven't got That's that. Like, uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe no, I haven't, have. no. I haven't got any symptoms of that. But... Yeah, we thought we would revisit Got Health Today just because I have this ongoing battle with gastritis and acid reflux, which I've never had before in my life. And it's been really interesting because once you have acid reflux, you enter a club, you enter a reflux club. And I found... Have you got a private Facebook group? Yeah, I could set one up to be fair. (laughs) What's it called? (laughs) I'm laughing, I'm laughing right now. But I would say it is without doubt one of the worst things I've ever suffered with in my entire life. Like, and t- especially when you don't know what it is, because it can creep mm. up on you and you could not know that you have it. So mine actually started with, <clears throat> obviously, when I fell ill on holiday, there was a lot of nausea overnight, mm. which I kept thinking, I've got a virus, I've got low blood sugar, because that's the same thing. Um, obviously, as time has gone on and I've got done more research and looked into it, had more tests done, written, ticked off things that it definitely isn't. I've realised that it's the reflux that 
is causing a lot of my symptoms. Mm. And it's been really interesting because I know about the kind of medical interventions and I discuss it a lot with my doctor. And I've also had an appointment with a gastroenterologist where I've said, I understand what your medications are doing, but you're not finding the root cause. Mm. But as is always the case at the moment with when you're seeing a specialist, I've spoken to them about, I've had a um, like a hip problem for a long time and I've said, it feels like something is happening structurally on my left side and yeah. my bowel movements are fine. The only thing I have right. is, which you have to confirm because otherwise this could be, for example, celiacs, Crohn's, colitis yeah, yeah. or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, but I have none of those symptoms. So I, all I have at the moment is some pain in my hip some, and then really bad gastritis and reflux. And they recommended to me, this is a standard kind of intervention, is that you take acid suppressing medications. So you're normally given a meprazole or proton pump inhibitor, they're called. Or there's another one called renatidine, which is a, a histamine blocker. So mm. that will stop you making acid. Right. So give you symptom relief. Yeah. What do you think the problem is with that? Um... So say I got complete symptom relief, I haven't. So mm. that's been useful. I've been able to go back and go, it's not worked. But yeah. say I had got symptom relief, I was like, I'm fine. Okay. What do you think would be the problem? So I'm now taking a medication that blocks stomach acid production. All right, so it affects digestion. Yeah, massively. Because what you're doing now is, what, what's? I mean, the role of stomach acid is first line defence of anything going into the body. Yeah. So first, I'm now going to be much more vulnerable uh, to, to infections. Right, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, but this is why they give you another medication for, yeah, probably. for that, that be medication. The next thing. Yeah, yeah, that would be the next thing. So that my first line defence is, is being taken away. And I'm not actually addressing the root cause either. Mm -hmm. And then the side effects of that medication is in the stomach itself is where we actually absorb B12. And it's a very intricate process to, to get B12 into the body. We have something called intrinsic factor, which requires stomach acid. So again, I'm going to be compromising my B12 status. Mm -hmm. We also absorb things like calcium and iron. And the pH of the, the stomach generally is really important. So you're changing it, taking some of these medications. Yeah. And there's also suggestion that it depletes magnesium as well. So the idea is you're only ever taking this medication for, they say, two weeks, maybe four, 12 weeks max. Whereas since, um, I, I've seen people in clinics that have been on this for years, and I mean wow. decades, you know, and no one's ever, and they've got more symptoms, like you just mentioned, they've been given more medication. So it's building and building. And no one's ever really got to the root cause which is a really interesting situation because for a long time, you know, we've kind of, this is what we do with nutritional therapy, yeah. with functional medicine. We're kind of like, what was the root cause? And I've also seen loads of cases where it can be a combination of diet, stress, mm. smoking, alcohol. Yeah. But more recently, I've seen quite a few where it's structural. Right. So they've had uh, issues with things like umbilical hernias or um, one had some problems with the spleen and it was pushing up the diaphragm and therefore they were refluxing. Um, so getting really severe nausea. Another one had like a tissue detachment, which was pushing the stomach up. And again, same thing, severe vomiting and things like that. And But for decades, not decades, but I'd say for years and months before that, all they were told was, you have reflux, take this medication. And it did bring a little bit of symptom mm. relief. But do you see how this is like a bit of a ticking time bomb? Yeah, yeah. If we never go back and get to the root cause. Obviously, you know, your knowledge, your experience and stuff is a is a big advantage to you. Because, you know, if someone else who isn't in the know, like yourself, goes to the doctors, uh, acid reflux, and they do just uh, prescribe them with kind of like the acid blockers yeah. that you mentioned, 
they're just going to be oh yeah well thank you very much yeah especially if it does work which yeah. it may do because yeah. it's gonna you're not going to reflux the acid if you're not making as much of it yeah of course one per, one of the cases i saw was told to double the dose and it's own in this this case end up in a and e and it turned out to be an umbilical hernia pushing up the stomach Blimey. but before that and it was only when it got to the point of vomiting which yeah. you do so the thing about acid reflux is as well um again having never had it until i fell ill over the summer and that's why i didn't really know what what was going on but you essentially the guidance is that you sleep slightly upright with your shoulders and elevated up because mm. then you can't reflux back in the night because the danger of that is if your acid is coming back up the throat obviously it's going to be damaging the tissues but it will actually wake you and you can feel quite nauseous and some people actually vomit and some cases I've seen they said it actually comes through their nose as well so it can be really potent you know like pretty full-on so the standard advice I said is to elevate yourself not eat three hours before bed and if you can't follow that for some, for whatever reason, you have to eat late or maybe eat a little bit heavier later in the day. When you wake up, the symptoms range from, uh, when I had an endoscopy, actually, I remember hearing somebody crying in the waiting room saying, you know, I, it feels like I'm having a heart attack because it can be kind of compression of the chest. It can be palpitations. Your heart can start really, you know, like racing. And then obviously like choking is another one. So you wake up in the night choking mm. and then you can actually vomit. So this is why I said it's probably, I, I'm mild, I'm massively mild because straight away I uh, jumped on the kind of nutrition side and I transformed my nutrition anyway when I fell in. And I was like, right, I'm going back to a kind of paleo protocol, maybe a slightly autoimmune paleo protocol and fasted a lot and reduced things like liquid intake, didn't eat late. So did all of those things and started to see symptom relief. So I was like, okay, I'm getting a model of eating that, that's helping me, but it's not tackling the root cause. It's just making sure I don't get those symptoms. But underlying, I was still, and I'm still speaking to specialists about this, saying something is structurally wrong for me to be experiencing these symptoms yeah, after yeah. everything that I've done. And it's helpful, I said to you, that I... I've said to them, look at what my nutrition has been for 20 weeks. Yeah. Because then they go, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, whereas for other people, they will have to look at cutting out sugar, yeah. alcohol, smoking, coffee, tomatoes, those types of things. So just to kind of loop back around, what I was trying to say was the symptoms themselves can be really scary. And then what they do is create a lot of anxiety. And they have with me as well, When I first, especially when I didn't know what they were. They created so much anxiety that you're like, why am I getting all of this going on mm. and it happens overnight so I actually said to one friend I was speaking to she'd had a lot of problems in pregnancy with this and I said it's, it's so isolating because you kind of wake up in the night and you're like oh god I feel awful but you, you're stuck in the middle of the night there's no one to nothing to do no one to talk to that type of thing um, and a few friends of mine said in pregnancy they got hernias hiatus hernias where the stomach pushes into the esophagus so they get a lot of reflux usually in the kind of final trimester and again, as, pre as a pregnant woman, you're given a meprazole, you're given the proton pump inhibitors to help with that. And you probably have no choice but to take that to get symptom relief. But you would want to be looking at your B12 and your, your iron and your magnesium levels as well, just especially if you take them for a long period of time during pregnancy. So one thing that's been really interesting, and the reason I kind of said I want to revisit this on the podcast was, was again, to get people to, to constantly ask for some insights into the root cause. Because when I actually went to see a gastroenterologist, it was really interesting because they have processes in place where they want to tick off what it's definitely not. Yeah. But they're now acknowledging that there's a good possibility that things that are going on in your large intestine and your small intestine are affecting your stomach. So it could be that there's a lot of bacterial overgrowth or excess fermentation from too much maybe yeast in the gut. And that creates a lot of, obviously it ferments sugars and things mm -hmm. like that, alcohol. 
So that's going to create bloating and gas. And then that's going to push up on the stomach and you will start to reflux or you'll start to herniate the stomach into, into the esophagus is, is maybe one other theory. Yeah. But it has to be a lot of pressure. Yeah. On top of that, imagine lots of these come, are related to sports as well. Because if you think about it, when you're exercising, we deprive the, oxygen, the, the gut of oxygen. That changes the pH, so it can make it a little bit more kind of easier for opportunistic things to thrive in there. Right. Um, but just depriving the tissues with oxygen generally is going to make them slightly dysfunctional, which is why the next episode we're going to do is about you and your journey getting into CrossFit. And I have said, I'm only going to... I told you about <laughs> You, Matt is such a CrossFit ball right now. But it's really nice to see you passionate about something. I always yeah. like it when you're into your sports. Yeah. But I've said to you... You've so basically... To what, um, <laughs> <laughs> the other week, Fran. Workout Fran. Do you want to yeah. tell about Kippen? Yeah, just friends today. <laughs> God. <laughs> but I've said to you, you're going to have to get right on your nutrition and gut health and oh, health yeah. yourself. But don't make it about me. No, no. But and that will be the next episode we talk yeah. about. Because the other thing that I've realised is, is part of my journey and fixing myself is I have to stop trying to, you know, interfere mm. with everybody else. And, and you do, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> stop interfering. Wow. Yeah, you nag. Where was I? I can't remember. So ex- ex- exercise. But the other thing about exercise is exercise could easily create hernias of tissues, mm. which you have two hernias. Yeah, you've got a matching pair. So should you really be doing CrossFit? I'm not so sure. <laughs> anyway, you have two hernias from training, from intra-abdominal pressure and lifting heavy weights. And a second kind of factor with this as well is, so training could contribute in a couple of ways. We've said oxygen deprivation and then also the kind of straining and pushing side of things. And then obviously it also can affect gut motility. So if you're going to train for long periods of time, we shut down gastrointestinal motility. Mm. So our gut's not moving. So stuff can hang around for too long. Equally, it can cause loose bowel movements because it's that mechanical stress over and over again on the gut. And I definitely think in the buildups, kind of whatever kicked off with me, there was just way too much I was kind of busy, but I was running a lot more as well mm-hmm. and not doing a lot of like breathing and things like that. So I definitely think I created a, a, a very, you know, an environment that was just anything could go wrong in it, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But another factor that I've kind of explored and, and spoken to um, specialists about is, is even having hypermobility means that your tissues are much likely to become dysfunctional. Right. And when you have inflammation, inflammation present, and again, there's lots of studies on things like even antibiotic usage, as well you start to break down things like collagen and a lot of the structural tissues that hold things in place so it means that things start moving into places that they shouldn't be right and the reason i'm saying all of this is i just don't think any of this is explained to an individual who has gastrointestinal issues no and i mean to kind of like highlight that when you you know because you've been very open about your kind of like current health status on social media and everything that's been going on. Been sharing the Bristol stool and no, no. <laughs> no, but how many people have messaged you to say that's me? Everything your your symptoms yeah. you're describing, that's me. Like I've had this, but have this been going on for years? And and then it starts to make you think like, wow, like like you said, why has this been going on for years? Is it a case of symptoms flare? You take medication, they go. They come back, you take medication, they go. And a lot of people do, not even just with this, just generally with just any kind of symptoms, just keep repeating that cycle over and over again for years and years and years, like you said, without actually going, hang on a minute, why does this keep happening? You know, why do I have to keep having these, why do I have to keep taking this medication to get that relief? 
only to then go back again and again and again. So yes, we'll stay on subject with this, but it does go across the board, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting because the other thing is obviously I'm kind of crowdsourcing opinions at the moment from yeah. people that I trust in in the industry and saying, okay, what would you do next if you were me? In that, because as of, I, what I've had to do is tick off all of those things. Mm. So first of all, when it came to the nutrition, it was really helpful to say I've gone on to a very kind of uh, you know kind of fish, vegetables, broth, meat, you know, that kind of stuff mm. to try and keep up my B12 and, and things that I'm really concerned about my iron. Yeah. And I'm eating smaller meals, not eating too late. And generally I was very low in FODMAPs, fermentable carbohydrates initially, because I couldn't have any intra-abdominal pressure that would make me worse. Yeah. So I stuck to low FODMAPs to get symptom relief. And that was really helpful when I got to a gastroenterologist, because you could tell the first thing that they were going to suggest was change your nutrition and go for a low FODMAP diet. Whereas I'm like, tick, 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 I've yeah. done that. And it's yeah. not helped. Um, yeah, yeah, so. Completely, mate. And then the other thing that was really interesting about that, and then the next thing they want to write off is is Crohn's and colitis. And again, I kind of know that I don't have any of those symptoms. And I keep saying to you, um, if, if you guys can check this out, but the Bristol stool scale is basically a stool chart. And it kind of, you know, tells you if you, if you're, if you're kind of a type, let me get this right. I think it's six or seven. You're kind of heading towards maybe some kind of inflammatory bowel condition because you've got very loose bowel movements or there's, you know, some kind of gastrointestinal stress going on. And I'm pretty much a perfect three, four at the moment. And I keep keep saying that to to you, don't I? I No one likes to show off. (laughs) (laughs) But even that is really helpful to go like, you know, so this is not what's going on with this situation. But they have to tick it all off and test it. And then they were like, celiacs, we're going to test you for celiacs. And the test that they're doing is just the, the most accurate test for someone out there who maybe wants to look at this is, is a Cyrex array, where they test all of the different proteins that you might react to mm. within wheat and gluten. That's the most accurate. Right. But even, even so, I was predominantly gluten-free yeah, for the last yeah. 20 weeks. And then the gastroenterologist questioned that and went, yes, but have you really? And I was like, well, <laughs> even so, wouldn't I see some relief of these key symptoms. The only thing that I've managed to get absolute relief from was on holiday. I was bloated and that is without doubt from bread and wine and things, yeah. and beans and yeah. fizzy water and things that we were having. And I came home, did a little bit of a gut protocol with some herbs, got rid of all of that and that alleviated the pressure. So from there, what's been left is reflux and, and I've got gastritis still. So I've again done everything in terms of sleep, stress management, no running, Loads of breathing and breathing, by the way, is, is, is transformed. I can get symptom relief in seconds by breathing, but that's important to kind of be aware of because it also means that when you're breathing, you're changing the position of your diaphragm and that will mean that your stomach is not pushing up as much as well. So these are the things that I've practiced kind of consistently over like weeks and weeks and weeks, but there is still key symptoms that are there mm-hmm. present. So but one other point I wanted to make was when I went to see the gastroenterologist and I said, what do you think this could be? So I said, have you seen someone have gastroenteritis, gastritis, you're hey. saying that now, for a long period of time like this, despite not smoking, drinking, you know, being yeah. doing yoga and rolling around in woodland, like literally everything, yeah. you know, doing cold exposure, I've done infrared saunas. Are you, are you been rolling around in woodland with? <laughs> Only Hamish. <laughs> and... Uh, he was, he was like, yeah, yeah, I have. And, and he, his theory was, he said, I think you have, get this, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And, I, you know, I have to respect that this is something that I think they're relatively new to, but nutritional therapy and functional medicine, we've been talking about this for ages. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it is something I do believe I had. And I think I'm very vulnerable to because of things <clears> like <throat> stress yeah. and my, I don't necessarily digest my food as well as I could do. 
I'm almost treated SIBO in what I've been doing with herbs and things for 20 weeks and had no symptom relief. So again, I'm like, mm, okay. But for that, you go, he was, he said, I'll refer you for a breath test where they look at whether there's hydrogen or methane in your breath. And that kind of suggests there's too much bacteria in your small intestine and it's, it's overgrowing. But again, you normally have either constipation or diarrhea or just a lot of yeah, yeah. wind and bloating. Yeah. With that. So, because um, your, your symptom is very uh, acute, if you like, you know what I mean? In terms of where you experience pain or or whatever. You yeah. know, it's not like, like you say, you don't have the severe bloating anymore. You don't have like the trots. You know, <laughs> the trots. I haven't <laughs> heard that for years. My mum used to say that. I've got the trots. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's very much kind of like pain in the stomach and nausea, isn't it? Yeah, which is, which is like yeah. gastritis and, and mm. reflux. And I think... As I said, the reason I wanted to do a podcast on it was not because like, oh, talk about being ill again. And it feels a bit like that sometimes. But to say like every every step I'm going through with specialists, I'm learning about, okay, what are the different interventions that, that they're going to offer me? Mm. But equally, as I said, I'm kind of crowdsourcing from people outside of that. And a few interesting, uh, someone actually emailed who listens to the podcast and said, have you thought about Lyme's? And I was like, oh, it is a possibility because it's the second yeah. cause of gastritis after Generally, the first cause of gastritis is H. pylori, which is a bacteria. We mentioned this before that burrows into the gut. Yeah. And I, when I had an endoscopy, they do a stool test and you can have an endoscopy where they biopsy that to see if, and I didn't have any ulcers, but I had gastritis. So they biopsy all of that to see if you have H. pylori. Mine came back clear. If you are in that position and you have all this reflux stuff going on, a GI map is quite helpful as well because they test the DNA of the stool and sometimes it might come up on the DNA of the stool. Yeah. And they also look at, and I haven't not actually run that test yet because I said to you, there is nothing that I haven't already done that that test would tell me to do. Because yeah, it's yeah. generally going to be herbal intervention, antivirals, antifungals maybe, and then maybe probiotics and things like that to help kind of adjust my gut microbiome. But most of that I've almost kind of put in place and it's not made that much of a difference to things like the reflux. So once you've kind of gone down that route of, as I've said, ticked off those things and checked and if you do change your diet and, and go on a low fermentable diet and take out yeast, I think is a big one for a lot of people in this position. I see so many cases where they have acid reflux and or symptoms of you know esophagitis, things like that, so inflammation of the esophagus. And there's all, all there's also other signs of fungal overgrowth, so skin infections, nail infections, you know, kind of reactions to like beer and bread and and wine and things like that as in like you get very severe brain fog yeah, yeah. um you can actually smell it in, in people's breath sometimes as well so wow. that's, you can actually start to notice a really distinct smell in someone's breath so then you start to think about fungal overgrowth and but again with that that is normally the symptom of something else that's going on right so it could be that that person is extremely stressed and it could be that they have a lot of yeast and sugar in their diet so they're kind yeah. of feeding you know, refined processed foods is the quickest way to feed the bad bugs and, and the, the versions of yeast that we don't want to have too much of. Stress is going to suppress a lot of things that would keep it in control. And maybe you'll get lower if you've had antibiotics and medications, you've got lower amounts of your good guys, your bifido and lactobacillus that are gardeners of the gut. So this is what I was saying to you. When you up your intense training, you're going to have to really start to think about what you do outside of that training window that allows your immune system to come back up you know, yeah. and, and restore itself. Yeah, you're going to be more vulnerable to things like dysbiosis, which is too much bad bacteria, and then the fungal overgrowth yeah. and things like that. But interestingly, I've had loads of cases now that I've seen in clinics where they developed acid reflux the moment they were told something awful. 
And so I've had a couple of cases really? where it was um, someone was told that they had cancer and were given weeks, months to live because there was no treatment for this type of cancer and developed reflux that very day. Uh, went to bed and was like, woke up in the night choking, feeling sick. Interestingly, this person was told that at 39 and is now 62 because they went off and transformed everything. Nutrition, uh, like very positive person as yeah. well, but said to this day, can't get rid of the reflux. Interestingly. Uh, but this is the other thing that this person said to me, I can't eat too much. I can't eat sugar. I can't touch alcohol. I barely touch caffeine. Definitely can't eat late. And I said, God, it is kind of... <laughs> you know, like an anti-cancer diet in that sense. Right. Like it keeps you so accountable to, yeah, yeah. you can't overdo the caffeine, which is a stimulant, which might lead you to run your body ragged, stressed out, that kind of stuff. Alcohol again, she's like, no way, you know, just pay for it later. And definitely no sugar and, and pastries and things like that, just like pay for it. Yeah. So she's like, I eat a really nutritious diet. And to be fair, this individual is just so grateful to be here. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but then was... Asking, you know, were the things that you can do for this type of stuff? And when it is just reflux, my case is a bit different. I've got gastritis and reflux. But when it is just reflux, there is a lot you can do in terms of starting to obviously address the, the gut generally. So it'd be helpful to probably work with a professional to adjust your diet and look at some either antifungals, antibacterial herbs, antiviral herbs maybe as well. There can be loads of things going on. So adjust your microbiome and get rid of things like the bloating and maybe the kind of that may be one of the things that's kind of triggering you. A second thing is breathing. Like look at how you breathe. Yeah. Because if you're not doing your deep belly breathing, your chest breathing with stress, yeah. that is probably going to affect your diaphragm and that may be kind of contributing in some way. And many people said that, you know, get the chest pain and the palpitations. But even when, because um, you went to see a friend of ours, didn't you, yesterday? Yeah. To um, So Alessandro, actually, who's yeah, he's, been been, he's been on the podcast and, you know, he's very much... You know, it's very big on like movement and breathing, more restorative work. Mm. You know, it's very much on our wavelength in that respect. And you, we, well, we both book in with him. He's great. But he even said to you, didn't, didn't he? Almost like before he'd even spoke to you, he was like, gosh, like what's wrong with you? Like you're just, you're just a ball of tension. <laughs> like you could see it, yeah. let alone feel it. And it was just like in your body language. And we always say like that's going to affect like, we affect your fascia, you know, your soft tissues that contract. Yeah. But the hard thing about this, and this is what, again, I see this in all my clinic cases, is the symptoms cause you a lot of anxiety as well. Everybody experience, anyone who's trying to battle digestive issues, hormone issues, the symptoms cause your anxiety. You can't help but every now and then look them up. Like mm. it's addictive to look them up, <laughs> try and find answers. And then you can feel your symptoms get worse as you're yeah, doing yeah. that. And you can feel other things like your, your, your breathing, your heart rate's changing, then your sleep is rubbish. Uh, rubbish. 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 You get in that cycle, and it was interesting. I went to see Alessandro because, so my kind of theory of this this whole thing is, you know, there may be a D day very soon where I'll be like, I told you so. <laughs> like, but that it um it, it came about after um I had a hip injury from running, and and I've always said I've had hip pain for ages and it felt like I had a hernia down there or some. Mm. I can dislocate my left hip and I've shown you and you're like that is the grimmest thing I've ever seen not like entirely not full, fully dislocated <laughs> but I can click it out and it clunks and it's then back in. and I've said I to you it. it feels like there's some kind of hernia there and when I first got gastritis it was on the left side so that's why I said there's something there's a structural element to mm. all of this but yeah. then again inflammation can spread from tissue to tissue so it could just be like a chronic inflammatory response as well which kind of links you back around to is stress a factor and lots of people have said 
you know, do you just need to do lots and lots of work on stress management and, you know, and I'm kind of aware of that and that's work in progress as well. So I've not written that off, but I'm also still going through various different kind of imaging processes and speaking to specialists. And the other theory is that maybe I've, I've kind of picked up a chronic infection like, you know, Lyme's or... I've been tested for a lot of viruses, but is there some kind of infection that I, I have, haven't been able to fight? But again, that, that loops back around to why can't your immune system fight it? You know, so is yeah, there, yeah, yeah. I think I'm relatively less stressed than I was. Wouldn't you agree? No, <laughs> you would agree. No, I wouldn't. You would. The only thing that causes me stress is the symptoms. Symptom stress. Anyway, that, that is the main thing because you you can. And what I would say about all this, the big biggest lesson I've learned is the first thing you do, if you haven't done this already and you have any kind of gastrointestinal hormone issues, anything, is you just get a really good nutritious diet in place that balances your blood sugar levels and you cut out the obvious stuff, alcohol, smoking and you know, late night eating, overeating, everything like that, Manage, you know, get your body composition healthy. But then when you start to look at the food side of things, it gets crazy when it comes to digestive yeah. health. It really does. It gets a bit like it could be gluten, it could be lactose, it could be casein in, in, in dairy, it could be FODMAPs, it could be nightshades for reflux, gastrointestinal reflux alone. This is big list that's like coffee, citrus, chocolate, peppermint, because it relaxes the sphincters, so therefore you reflux back. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you think, gosh, some of those may bring you symptom relief, but I don't think they're the cause for most most cases. I don't think a cherry tomato is causing yeah. a lot of these, you know, especially when your symptoms are quite relentless yeah, and yeah. major. Obviously, you take them out, and they what they but what they often do is many of those foods will um, mediate your symptoms; they will drive them further. So we know that basically, kind of coffee and caffeine generally could be because it's affecting the nervous system and the gut has its own enteric nervous system. So there's a chance that they may be affecting the sphincters and valves and overstimulate a gut that's already a little bit wired. So that could definitely be the case. And also too much caffeine is going to affect your central nervous system as well, affect your sleep and those types of things. And you know, I said to you, there's, I shouldn't be having chocolate. And I've like, tried, I, with all of them, I've tried cutting them out and it doesn't bring me any symptom relief. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you have to do that little experiment, I think. But also there's a point where you think, this is not about the food. This is either something, you know, some kind of infection hanging around in the gut. It's something structural hanging around in, in the gut. Or as, you know, we've just said, you've got this state of mind that's driving inflammation. So is there something massive going on in the background? And actually this is when you'll tend to see People go and have, you know, some sort of talking therapy and they get immediate uh, symptom relief and, and ongoing symptom relief as well. Yeah. So in which case, you know that stress may have been driving inflammation and certain arms of the immune system get suppressed when we're stressed, which would mean that an, an infection is having a whale of a time because you've suppressed. If you think about it, we, we give, you know, cortisol or cortisone. Uh, we give steroids, for example, which is an anti-inflammatory has an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. Mm. We give it as a medication. Yeah. So think about it, if you're in a state of chronic stress all the time, you are going to be suppressing various different elements of your immune system, yeah. which is going to mean certain things can capitalize on that that situation. Yeah. So you're right. When I went to see Alessandro, I was like, please assess me. Have a look at my hip. Do you think it could be structural? Do you, I have a her- I do have an umbilical hernia, which I keep saying no one's really looking at this hernia and telling me if it could be relevant. Yeah. Um, if I need some kind of adjustment but I think I was 100 miles an hour when I went in he was like calm down and he actually said do some qigong and some really work on your breathing and lose the tension in your body 
and then maybe think about doing some acupuncture and some some other stuff after that. And I have an MRI now, finally, through the NHS. They're going to do an MRI to have a look. You have to get, I think, again, especially if you do a lot of sports and stuff like that, it's so worth having your, you found your hernias on ultrasound, didn't you? But ultrasound and and MRI tend to be better for that kind of soft tissue dysfunction. So they're more likely to identify it. But the reason I wanted to share it was because I just see so many cases of people who have this dysfunction going on and just take this medication, especially for upper uh, gastrointestinal system disorders. But what I'd also say is everybody knows that has this. You kind of live live in fear a little bit because it's very well known that it's kind of a precursor to you'll get tissue changes. If, if the acid is allowed to reflux ongoing, you get tissue changes in the esophagus. And that is a kind of precursor to and increases your risk of, of cancer. Mm. And many people with this in this situation know that. So it's also creating a lot of anxiety. So yeah, you get the yeah. symptoms, then you get the anxiety about what's going on. Plus the symptoms are horrific. Yeah. Um, and that's why I said, like, when I've met a few people and they're like, oh, I have that, I have that. And I've been on a meprazole for years. I'm like, gosh, like, if you never thought about trying to find out why, you yeah, know, like, yeah. you really would really help. And it might be that meditation and if it was that case, you know, I've mentioned a few cases where I've said that's really bad news or got fired, you know, and literally you still saw everything kick in. I mean, I've seen cases where full-on autoimmunity has kicked in over like short periods of trauma so you know how powerful stress can be i'm not i don't think you can really call it stress it's, it can be in some case i've seen pure trauma like to, to have bereavements and things like this happen in your life especially very quick ones yeah you can start to see the entire immune system affected by that but i think there's also other things that people could be missing like i said on some of these other cases where it has been structural and it can be the result of scar tissue after surgery as well that's another common factor you can get adhesions tissues stick together which is going to affect how the bowel is supposed to move your bowel motility Um, same thing for kind of reproductive function that could be massively affected a couple that i speak to was telling me about a case of somebody who had i might have mentioned this actually on previous podcast can't remember severe pain in his testes and went to have did i mention this before went to have a lot of tests done everything was coming back like negative negative negatives nothing but he he was convinced there was something you know, it was so painful that there's something going on down there. And obviously fear when it's, when it's a, you know, when it's a testes, you start to think about, um, you know, tumors and those types of things. And it turned out uh, it was actually scar tissue from an um, removal of an appendix that was actually hitting the, I think it was the inguinal, inguinal nerve going down into the, into the groin. You can get inguinal hernias, can't you? Yeah. And so, but that had built up over, that was 30 years ago, but the scar tissue had just proliferated over time. So you can have, you know, from injuries and and things like that. Yeah, wow. So, and again, it was a case of seeing lots of specialists and, you know, to get to a point where they're like, you're like, is it in your head? Mm. You know, and that's also, you know, a lot of people come, when they finally come to like a nutrition clinic, they're like, people, it's like it's in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, But one other interesting fact that I have to say is, I teach a yoga class and there's a lot of people at this yoga studio that I've connected with who've come, come to speak to me at the end of the class and said, oh, you know, I've got, um, I had burnout over the summer or I've got fibromyalgia. Like it's very common now that lots of people are suffering with these kind of more chronic illnesses. And they've, they've kind of asked, oh, you know, what, what should I do outside of the class and ask, ask for some help and advice? But it was interesting. One person I was speaking to, you know, I said to them, you know, make sure you're eating a nutrient dense diet. It makes such a big difference. You know, and if you haven't looked at that, and they they were saying, oh, I'm kind of managing it with medication at the moment. You know, this is fibromyalgia. I have not mm. even thought that food might play a role, which, you know, for me, I'm just like, oh, gosh, how could you not even 
Yeah. It, it just plays such a role. But then, you know, that's that's where we are. With yeah, exactly. Space. I mean, we're we... just in that space. But I can't believe that a, a specialist of any sort, if you've got something like fibromyalgia, you must have seen so many people by that point has yeah. not mentioned just a really nutritious diet. Mm. You know, like mitochondria, which are behind mitochondrial dysfunction, which is behind fibromyalgia. Like it, they are such a, they, are, they have to have nutrients to work properly. Yeah. But also they're very vulnerable to infections, but your immune system needs nutrients to run properly. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm talking about your macros and your micros, you know, your fat soluble vitamins and B vitamins, all those kind of things. Think, yeah, it's, it's crazy that no one's looking at this element. I think it'll change with hopefully the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine will educate doctors a little bit more on this. But Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're definitely seeing signs of that, aren't we? In terms of, um, like we said before about, the likes of like Dr. Dr. Chatterjee and, yeah. and doctors like that that are kind of spreading that message, aren't they, alongside like conventional um, medicine. But what's... Sorry, go on. Oh. Go, you going to ask a question? Uh, are you going to ask... Do you just put your finger up? <laughs> no, I was like, Put your hand up. I just, I just <laughs> put your finger up. <laughs> that is so wrong. No. <laughs> you just put your finger up. <laughs> You're gone. Kerish, you may you may ask a question. <laughs> you may. I was watching Catastrophe last night. If you've ever the first series, there's an episode in that that's just. Fun. I'm not even going to go there, but yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I can't say that. It's, it's very random. <laughs> no, it's, it's too random. Now. I can't. I can't. Generally, this guy in it is really obsessed with having like something put up his bum, like a thumb. Oh, right. <laughs> in the whole episode, he's trying to, get, trying to persuade his friend well. to go and have that experience. <laughs> yeah, funny. you're right. That was random. It was. It was just... It was just but you've said it now. You it's saying that there. made me think about... It was a funny episode. <laughs> if you haven't watched Catastrophe, it's, I'm sure everyone has. It's, oh, it's good. good. It's good. I if like you it. haven't, watch it. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I don't actually remember that, though. <laughs> is that the first season yeah okay maybe I blocked that from my memory <laughs> anyway <laughs> away from that side of things I was just going to say I'll cover in a second you asked your question but I'll cover in a second some supplements that will natural supplements that will help you with reflux and you know in terms of symptom relief but again they may not be treating the root cause okay so what I was going to say is kind of going off ever so slightly but I think it's relevant because you mentioned it very briefly. Is it about CrossFit? Um, I was... <laughs> the other day at CrossFit. I was doing this workout, right? And uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no. Uh, to be fair, I've bored you for like, God knows how many years about all this stuff. So no, it's you your chance you, to... You don't bore me. I've, I've, uh, I've mastered just switching off and <laughs> pretending I'm listening. Sentence. So This is the first and last sentence. What did I just so, say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you said... What did I just say? Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, no. So you mentioned like, stress and anxiety and you know and, and rightly so you you have been worked up about this because for the first time in your life you've kind of got something wrong that has had an impact on your life um your day-to-day and you don't know what the hell it is despite your efforts to find that out you know it's perfectly understandable for you to feel, feel frustrated by this and at the same time you know your, your head's at times gone down a dark road of like, could this be something much more sinister than I think, you know, and good old Dr. Google has kind of like told me, yeah. told, told me <laughs> yeah. that, you know, Oh, you know, this, this could be linked to cancer and, yeah. and, and other things. And if you don't mind my saying, you know, like there's, we've had a few kind of teary 
conversations where you've got quite upset because you've been quite worried because you don't know. And, you know, not, not to make this negative, not to, not, not to talk in a way that, that means that we, we think that's what's going on. But we, we had a bit of a chat, didn't we? And we were just like, look, we don't know what's going on. But if heaven forbid you do get that news, then we will come together as a unit and we will, we will deal with it. And, and I think that's important that it's always good to be positive, be as upbeat as you can and have as much optimism as possible. But at the same time, I think there needs to be a part of you that needs to be prepared for something potentially more serious. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I just wanted to kind of put that out there, mainly because, you know, it is what well, is very much a reality for many people. And this year, especially for us, like we know so many people who either we know personally or people we've met or got connected with on social media who have been diagnosed with cancer and many have unfortunately lost their battle. And we've said this year, more than any, without fail, have we had that news. Mm. Um, you know, and just, just recently, you know, we had, we had that news again. And I just feel that no matter what you do, whether you do eat incredibly well and you exercise and you get lots of sleep and this, that and the other, it's obviously going to serve you very well. We've always said this, there are no guarantees. It's just the way it is. But you've got to give it your best shot, like we always say. But I also just think that you you need to be able to to prepare yourself. And we we have had that chat, despite the fact that deep down, you know, we don't think that's what's going on here. It's easy to go there when you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And you do read these things online and you you see these worst case scenarios. And you know, to to a degree, I almost understand it a little bit more with you because of your family history yeah. with, with cancer. And like I said, I, I, I'm not trying to make this a negative chat, but I think sometimes we need to be open, that's open to the possibility that we might hear something we, we, we don't want to. Primarily because I think it's important to be prepared. It's important to know that there's people around you that, will come together and do whatever they can to help you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like So the strange thing about this situation is I still work, I still lecture, I still teach yoga. Mm. You still, but obviously it's kind of like a, it's a low grade thing going on that we, we don't know what it is. And we, mm. and what I've said to you is I've got things that I have to follow, like, you know, timing of meals and how much I eat, those types of things. And and that gives me that symptom relief. And now I take, I'm now on a Meprazole and that, that gave me my life back. Yeah, yeah. But then luckily... I still have symptoms. So, and I say luckily because the doctor's like, that should have been sorted out by PPIs now. Yeah, so yeah. it's definitely something is making you over secrete acid. So they're pursuing other options and referred me for an MRI. So it was really helpful. But there's an element to which being in this situation, although you can still go around and do do things and, and lead a normal life, it's kind of going on in the background. As you said, it's it's like, uh, there's a phrase I've heard, which is kindling, which is like when the brain is slightly on, on fire. And that's definitely what I'd say almost feels like, because you're kind of, you go in and out of these moments of fear about, mm. you know, what if it's this? What if it's that? What if you find this? What if I'm suddenly taken out of action for long periods of time? You know, yeah. what will happen to Matt? What will happen to the business? Who will run this? Who will do that? Who will look after my mum and dad? You learn a lot about yourself mm. because you realise that actually, you know, I said this on previous podcasts, 
fear is my dominant mode and always has been because I think I've always been you know since a teenager my mum was really ill and it was me that stepped in to look after her whilst my dad was away so I've always been the person that takes care to look her after her her. yeah and and will will always and and can also feel empathy you know I have so much empathy like you feel others so you're always trying to Mm. you know alleviate their suffering and so I've done a lot of reading about all of this and tried to you know, do what I can to draw boundaries around myself and yeah. put my own guest mask on first, doing all of this stuff. And it's really interesting because every time there's an element to which you get like a, oh, this test came back clear, it's not that. Someone goes, well, if that's all right, then can you get back on and do this? <laughs> you know, as if like, yeah. <laughs> the expectations come back at you from others. It's not that serious then. So you, can, you, can you do this, you know? Yes. And you realise how... A lot of people in your your life are very unreasonable about their expectations, but because it's my fault, because I've always I've always been a control freak and and mm. jumped in and and like tried to do everything first and and be all things to everybody. So yeah. there's been a lot of kind of soul searching from that side of things. But what I'd also say is I never realised. I mentioned like it, it's isolating because no one else is going through what you're through, and sometimes you don't want to talk about it, but sometimes you don't want to do anything either. So you don't want to do anything social because your energy is not what it should be or because your mind is not where it should be or because you can't eat the foods that you want to eat or you can't drink any of the alcohol. So you don't want to go into those types of environments. Mm. But I'd also say there's just kind of an element to which you think, if this never goes away, can I live like this? So if I get told I have a, an autoimmune condition, for example, and that the next step is going to be steroids, you know, to suppress my immune system, yeah, yeah. I've said to you, I'm not sure how I'd feel about that because a side effect of that is, you know, tumor growth and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, and there are other options for me to explore yet. There are lots of think people that I can go and see, but I think there's elements to which you look at the future and you think, will it always be like this? And I know people that have been in these positions for 10, 20 years. And I also, like you, we know people who are going through cancer right now. And I just have so much admiration for them. The yeah. strength those people have, like, I've always kind of admired it, but I never really knew. And I've only got a fraction of what they go through. Yeah. And it is, in, in many ways, it, it just it affects your kind of I think your kind of mental, emotional health, your strength. And like you said, I ended up going to see Alessandro the other day and he just said, you just look so vulnerable. You know, I just want to, and then he said, get onto Qigong because it's all about bringing energy back to self. Yeah. And so, you know, I really respect, he he showed me some things to do and then woke up the next morning. I was like, actually, it does feel like my body needs some gentle movement. And I kind of have backed off the strength training for a few days. And I've just been doing yoga and Qigong and breathing and things like that. And, it just feels right, you know, right now. But then at some point, I'll probably want to do some pull-ups again. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that's really important that you try and resume elements of normality within your life whilst this is going on. But I think it's really important that you talk to people. And I think if you know someone, and actually Grazia did a uh, Grazia magazine did a feature on this about um, if you know someone with a chronic disease. And it was really nice to read because I just thought no one talks about this. Like I've got friends, you know, and people that I know with with some chronic health issues. And, you know, you kind of meet up and you go, how are you? And they're like, oh, you know, it's kind of still going on. Anyway, change the subject. Like, what's going on with you? You know, it's very, sometimes the conversations get deflected and you don't really realise 
how hard it is for them and, and how low and how they may look to the future and just see no relief from it all. And it can be this kind of vicious cycle where you've said then the emotional health is driving their symptoms yeah, even yeah, worse. Yeah. So you never know. And then people tell them that and then people tell me that and I'm like, okay, well try being in my position. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know? And at least I've got the resources and the knowledge and the education to, yeah. to can, can kind of take control of my journey and get help and support from people that I trust and know. But just one final thing to add is because I've slowed down and because I've spent a lot of time just kind of walking Hamish, relaxing and in coffee shops, I've connected with a lot of people locally where we live in, in Kent and had some conversations that are completely different. One from someone who's just like, I've heard you've been ill because I like, you know, we've talked about it on social media. And I just said, I think I just said one day, I was like, oh yeah, just not sure I've got out for this life. You know, like it's just so fast paced and it just feels like you're yeah. never, never ending. You, 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 you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You, you know, there's so many people to help, so many things to do. And and they spoke about the same thing and that they'd actually start to have counselling to support themselves mm. through that process because they were falling sick and their energy and digestive health was on the floor and they were like, oh, you know, is it a chronic disease? And then actually, yeah. actually it's just pure exhaustion, Ju-ju- mental and physical from that process. But just on that note, and I ended up organising a coffee morning <laughs> next week of everybody that I've run into that's told me a very similar story and just said, like, let's all get together. I'm going to make some cakes. And we can just chat because despite there being times when you don't want to speak to people, when I have spoken with people and shared that experience, you get so much energy. And so I said, like, let's just meet up and talk. And it turns out there are lots of people like me, you know, with hormone issues and digestive issues that they're constantly trying to get to the bottom of, which, you know, in itself can start to become the problem. Whereas if we kind of come together and just chill out and talk and, you know, kind of re-energize one another. I've definitely found that from hanging out with people so when's this first coffee morning then you're not coming <laughs> oh, I want to come you're at CrossFit I've got CrossFit <laughs> you haven't got anything wrong with you you're not allowed to turn up you are you haven't got anything wrong with you you can't come unless there's something wrong oh, I'm joking but, you, you don't want to get me started what's wrong with me <laughs> yeah. no one else got a word, word in edgeways <laughs> but it's just it's, a few few actual friends in the industry have posted about struggling with mental health at the moment and yeah and, kind of reached out to them and said, do you want to come for a coffee morning and just talk about it? And they were like, God, I'd love to. You know, and that, that's how it's kind of... I'm, I'm really proud of you for, for doing that because it, that's what it takes, doesn't it? It's for that one person to get the ball rolling. Yeah. You know, like others have maybe thought of it or whatever, maybe they haven't, but it just takes that one person to get the ball rolling, then it becomes a thing. Yeah. You know, you've got to put it out there and... Yeah, fair enough. Loads of people could just said no. <laughs> I'd rather not, but at least you've tried, right? But well, do you know what I said to myself? Because there's an element to which you think... You go back to your school days, like, if I have a party, will anybody come? Yeah. Um, so will, I thought, you know will, what? Will you be my friend? <laughs> um, message everyone. And I was like, if one person comes, I'll just have a yeah. coffee and a cake. And and there's only a few people that I have made time for to meet on a regular basis. That in itself has just been amazing. Like yeah. They're on a similar path, similar mindset, kind of nice balance of like... Well, you, you've you been like doing these kind of like, having like these walking catch-ups with people haven't you yeah you know and you're like you walk the dogs together and you just have a good old chat and you know you're moving you're outside you know which is brilliant and yeah i mean you you always sound just more upbeat yeah afterwards like you're in a much better headspace you know i can i can see like the the positive impact it's had on you so like you know yeah no i think it's really good i suppose just to finish on the supplements so that is a big part of I think a supplement, your, your social interactions, that's a supplement, there you go. Hey, there um, you go. <clears throat> but I would say just a few things that you can explore 
when it comes to nutritional supplements are you can go and see a medical herbalist as one option or a nutritional therapist and you can use things like slippery elm and marshmallow root which you've seen i've got the i've got the actual plant root that i make into yeah. a juice um aloe vera same thing it doesn't taste like marshmallow no it doesn't taste like marshmallow <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> but that's how marshmallows came about and it was no. about soothing the uh, esophagus and the no. uh, gastrointestinal tract i'm sure the ones you get in the uh yeah i don't the think shop. no i wouldn't have i wouldn't I'm completely void of any uh medicinal but you know what give it a try <laughs> marshmallow yeah try your luck i've also used zinc carnosine which is a form of zinc that stays in the in the gut for longer, so it can help in terms of healing. Again, if you're just dealing with kind of reflux esophagitis, that kind of stuff, that could be really helpful. I've also used um, what are called binders. So you can use charcoal or zeolite, or there's a product called Toxprevent, which you take, again, kind of away from your medications, but can that can kind of help minimise the reflux. There is something called esophageal guardian, which is a natural version of like Gaviscon. Hmm. But to be honest, again, it, if it's just a short period of time, Gaviscon does the same thing. It just creates this layer. People, some people use bicarbonate soda, um, right. but it basically creates like a little layer on top of stomach acid. So yeah. that when it's coming back up, you've got the kind of something to neutralize the acid, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So some people use bicarbonate soda as well as a more kind of natural one. It tastes disgusting. So again, and it Is might it? be that, you know, I, when I'm out and about, I just use Gaviscon because it's just, I can just take that. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's just creating that buffer it'd be really worth trying to then get to the root cause. And it might be that some kind of things like oregano and uh, berberine, uva ursi, all of these things that can help with like fungal overgrowth, bacterial overgrowth, will actually start to help stop you getting the reflux. Yeah. The binders, by the way, will help with binding to histamine as well. So some people actually find lowering histamine in their diet can help a little bit with the kind of nausea side of things. But again, I don't advise necessarily going crazy with a, a low histamine diet it's really hard to do a low histamine diet because histamine tends to be in things like leftovers for example or you know like tinned fish and teas and you can, right. you can kind of minimize it but you might find that something like tox prevent that binds to it helps and then also again good nutrient status to support something called methylation will help with the way that your body deals with histamine yeah, generally yeah. probiotics you can get special ones that are low in histamine by a company called seeking health and rebalancing the gut will generally help. But also you have to remember that, you know, histamine, as I think we mentioned it before, it's a chemical release when you're stressed and fearful as well. So if you're waking up each day with a state of anxiety, yeah. deal with that side of it first, and then you'll probably start to see symptom relief from histamine-related issues. Like you say, that's hard though, isn't it? Because, you know, if you do wake up and you've you've got symptoms upon waking, yeah, it's almost yeah. like you're starting your day, like, oh God, you What's know. What's going on? Yeah. I think like having a morning routine has been really powerful for me and I've tried like various different things, but generally just waking up and I'd have a little bit of a kind of immune bit supporting routine. So I'll generally do some kind of like low level music, music, movement. Um, sometimes I will put a bit of music on, I might put Classic FM on or I've got a morning playlist yeah. if, I, if my mind's busy and I'll do things like skin brushing and I do like, coconut oil in the mouth with some fennel we mentioned this before in the last podcast and and obviously just recently i've started doing a bit of yoga and qigong in the morning yeah. and then i'm always out within like half an hour yeah. like that's just we have hamish so it's kind of a given that we do that but i think having that morning routine did you just say yeah. you did qigong i did yeah so the, did you yeah you actually you've done a you yeah. done, did you yeah i've done two check you i know it's funny because you think about why wasn't this on Insta stories? Well, I know. Because it's funny you think about this. And I think when I look at Instagram stories and look at Facebook now, 
you know, I'm not saying I'm like, well, I'm so ahead of the game. Like, but 10 years ago, I was about, I wanted to run as fast as I could. I wanted to do marathons. Yeah. I wanted to do best time. I wanted to do kettlebells, this, that, and the other, have a dab with CrossFit, maybe do a triathlon. And it's like, that stuff is cool. But I just think you've also got to have the rest of your life, like in order to be able to deal with that yeah, yeah. amount of physical and mental yeah, yeah. stress and pressure. And I think what I've realized is actually kind of running a business and, you know, having a client base, looking after people. I think once you're in this position and you get a certain knowledge base, you can't help but worry for the world. And I definitely think sometimes you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah, I, yeah. I do definitely. I look around at kids, what they're eating. I look around at the way we're medicating people and I'm just, I can go, you know, you, you can start to worry about the future. But then you can start to bring that back and go, what can I do and, and in terms of, and that's what we try and do with, with our business, with 365. How can I empower like a small group of people with the knowledge to go and make the right decisions and, and take care of themselves? But to do that, that's probably where most of my energy is going to go. And I yeah. can't afford to be beasting my body. I know. But also it's so amazing to feel how much that kind of slower movement energizes you as well. And oh, then good, yeah. it's it's interesting to feel, I think I posted about this in a members group the other day and said, my one goal is to get to the end of the week or to the end of the day and not feel completely depleted, to feel like I've got something left, which is quite hard for me because I'm a bit like tick, 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 done, done, done. Right yeah. now I can sit down. Oh, I'm not good. You know, so can you leave the house a bit of a mess? Can you leave those emails for tomorrow? Can you skip whatever tense training you were going to do and go for a bit of yoga or walk instead. Like those are the things that I'm trying to do, like keep a bit back each day, but definitely by the end of the week, have most energy by the weekend. Yeah. Whereas it's a bit like you can get to Friday and be like, ugh, you know, I've got nothing. By Sunday, you're just like a lead, a piece of lead, <laughs> you know. So so there we go. So there it is. You can do Qigong with me tomorrow morning. Oh yeah, hold over. You me. would really benefit from it. I bet I would. It just makes me laugh because... Um, it's all going a bit qigong. That's what we were, yeah, that's how I say it. It's all going a bit qigong. <laughs> um, so there it is. Keris is a medical mystery right now. Hopefully we'll be able to do a podcast where we can go, this is what was this up. This is what was found. And it's all sorted now. I am fine, but people write and go, I'm so sorry. I'm I, like, Generally I am fine. Yeah. As in I've got, I'm supported and I know what I'm doing. And you're, got, you're very good at putting on a brave face. I'm you? not. No, I'm not. Like I am, I am generally fine in terms of I've got medical professionals and when I write about this stuff it's not because I want people to come back and it's lovely when people write I have to say like it's yeah, lovely when people say is. I'm people really thinking of time. you but that, I don't I'm not writing because I want people to, I'm writing because I want to share this experience and hope that other people will start to mm. change how they approach their health their body and when they're you know suffering with some symptoms there's you know there's so much more that we could be doing taking responsibility and empowering ourselves a little bit more yeah and like you say you know like I, I kind of asking that question, like, why does this keep happening? Or yeah. why do you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like injuries, isn't it? It's like, you know, if yeah, yeah. If you kind of, you're constantly working around this, this pain, this niggle, yeah. you know, and then it becomes more of a problem. And then you think, oh God, if only I'd kind of tried to get to the root cause of that pain a bit sooner. Yeah, and like rebalance the body. Yeah, I might not be in, the, in the pickle that I'm in. But thank you for tuning in guys. Once again, as I said before, in terms of, everything that we do we are here to help so if you've got any questions whatsoever please 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 do reach out if it's something that maybe you'd like us to cover on the podcast or just something that you you want a little bit of guidance on on your journey wherever you're at please do get in touch info at fitterfood.com or fitterfood on all social media and we'll see you in episode 138 yep good chat Keris. good chat matt 
See ya. Bye.